0: Never before in human history has it been so easy to be consumed with other people's business. Never before has it been so easy. Thanks in large part to social media. And never before has it been so easy to form tight-knit circles that we'd never get out of. We form these tight-knit circles, and man, is it easy to judge those who are not in our circle. In fact, I would argue that it's never before been this easy to do so. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Instagram. Uh, thank you, Internet. It has never been this easy to get in our little tribes, to hu- in our little holy huddles, and then point the finger at all the people in the other huddles out there. It's never been this easy. And so I would say... Therefore, our passage today is more relevant to us, even more so than it was to the original audience. <laughs> it was relevant to them, but I think it's even more relevant to us sitting here today. Today, we come to Mark chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 38 through 41. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. These verses are also in your bulletin. Mark 9, 38. Through forty-one, Verse 38. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. This is God's word. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for bringing us here today in the snow to honor your son, to learn from him and to glorify him and to be moved by his presence. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. And what a, what a pleasure it is to look at his teaching here today and these profound words. And Father, we just pray that these words would sink deep into our hearts and into our spirits so that we might be changed by them and be changed by your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's what's happened in our story. The disciples come to Jesus And they say, hey, Jesus, uh, we saw someone doing great things in your name. But don't worry, Jesus. We took care of the problem. We took care of it. And we took care of it. We told him to stop. So rest easy, Jesus. We got you. We got your back, Jesus. We told him to quit, okay? Okay. All those great things he was doing in your name. Now I don't know how many times Jesus face palmed his disciples during his ministry. Y'all know what a face palm is, kind of where you remove your glasses. <laughs> you know, you kind of do this number right here. Now I don't know if Jesus face palmed them here, um, but I, I want to imagine that he did. <laughs> I want to imagine that this is one of those times where he just face palmed. Uh, his disciples but hey you know what let's be real it's fun to thinking about uh, thinking about jesus facepalming the disciples here but we're not that much better than the disciples Uh, if if jesus facepalmed them here then he's facepalming us all the time (laughs) all the time i know i am often guilty of tribalism I am. I think my church and my denomination and my circle, we're the right ones, and everybody on the outside is, whoo, they got problems, boy. They got problems. I wish they'd come over to our side because we're right about everything. How arrogant and how ignorant. (laughs) It's unbelievable ignorance and arrogance. It is. I'm guilty. My tribe, as it turns out, is not the only one who loves Jesus. My tribe is not the only one with a call from Jesus. My tribe is not the only one doing great things for Jesus. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? There are so many different Christian tribes out there. In America today, we have 44,000, or in the world today, we have 44,000 different Christian denominations believe it or not many 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 of them believe the gospel (laughs) if not all of them they believe the gospel they hang on every word of Jesus every word he says every word of scripture and they desire to do great things for his kingdom they do And Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling you and me, stop hindering them. Stop hindering them. They're on our team. (laughs) They're on our team. You see, you and I are only aware of a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction Of what Jesus is doing in the world today. I mean, we're only aware of like a minuscule amount of what he's up to. And so, how arrogant is it of us to claim that he's only working through our tribe? (laughs) That's goofy. But look, this should not discourage us, this should encourage us. Jesus is on the move. And he is moving in millions and billions of ways we can't see, that we don't know about. And believe it or not, the vast majority of those ways he's moving are outside of our tribe. And rather than discouraging us, this should greatly encourage us today. This story should be a huge encouragement to us in two ways. Number one in your outline. The first way it should encourage us is number one, We have more friends than we realize. We do. We have more friends than we realize. Let's look at verses 38 through 40. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us It's for us. So why did the disciples try to stop the man driving out the demons? Why did they do that? Because they did not realize he was their friend. They thought he was on a different team, on the opposition. They didn't realize he was on the same team. (laughs) He was their ally, their friend. And they didn't realize it. And hey, look, maybe he did have some weird theology. I don't know. Maybe he had some weird theology. Maybe he was confused on some doctrinal points. Maybe so. But he was their friend. He was. Might have been confused here and there on a few things, but he was their friend and their ally in Christ. Jesus is doing more in this world and with more people in this world than we can fathom and not all of it is going to be through our official pre-approved channels and this is the problem with the disciples well jesus he's not pre-approved he didn't go through our discipleship class he didn't go through discover 101 and 201 he didn't take a membership class but he hasn't been to seminary (laughs) You can't be driving out demons in your name. Don't worry. We took care of it. We took care of it for you, Jesus. Pretty unbelievable. Here is a person doing great things in Jesus' name. And the disciples are opposing him because he's outside their circle. (laughs) Look at verse 38. Look, he says, John says, We told him to stop because he was not one of us. So if you're not one of us, you're just out, dude. You're not pre approved, you're on the outside looking in. All this is hitting you as hard as it should. I know it's hitting me pretty hard. Our story today speaks to all of us because we all, because we're all sinners, huh? We all have the tendency to oppose rather than encourage. It's our tendency. Now, notice Jesus does not say to the disciples, definitely affirm the man and all his teachings. It's not what he said. No, Jesus just says, stay in your lane stay in your lane. Keep your eyes on your own paper, as they told me a bunch in high school. Keep your eyes on your own paper. I mean, for goodness sake, fellas, the kingdom has enough people opposing it. If you find someone who's not opposing it, leave him alone, he's our friend. Okay, he's our friend. May have some goofy theology here and there. He's our friend. Leave him alone. But as sinners, this is our tendency. We are given to tribalism. We dismiss the good in others we can see based on the suspicion of the bad we can't see. I'm going to repeat that and say it slower this time. We dismiss the good in others we can see. Based on the suspicion of the bad we can't see. (laughs) Guilty party, number one, right here. And that's just sad. sad. It's sad, it's silly. It's arrogant, and it's ignorant. Many of these folks that we talk so poorly about, think so poorly of, are our friends in Christ. They are our allies. They are on our team. All Christians and all the other 44,000 denominations and all the other tribes that are out there in this country and countries around the world, they are all on our team. (laughs) They're on our team. And if we find ourselves opposing them for doing good in Jesus' name, then we might just find ourselves opposing Jesus. I'm the assistant coach for my son's basketball team. I was the head coach for one game. My wife told me I was no longer allowed to do that. So now I'm back to assistant coach. (laughs) And occasionally what will happen is that two of our players will both get hold of the ball on a rebound and they'll fight for it. And so I have to yell out as the coach Same team, same team. I feel like Jesus is yelling that to us all the time. Same team, same team. (laughs) I know they got some weird theology in different places, but it's the same team. They're your friends. Please stop opposing them. Okay, now, someone is sitting here thinking, yeah, all right, but what about the heretics? What about the true false teachers out there? Shouldn't I stop them? Well, maybe. Maybe. There is a place for that, for sure. Okay? There is. If there is a false teacher whose teachings are hurting those in your immediate sphere of influence, then please call out the false teaching. Please do it. But we must be very, very careful on this point. Very careful. Let's be careful not to get sucked into the vortex of negative energy that goes by the name discernment. Discernment. Oh, I have the gift of discernment. I have the gift of discernment. So I'm allowed to say these things about people. Because I have the gift of discernment. I can discern. No, you don't. You have the gifts of gossip and slander. That's what you have. Folks, we're not called to be heretic hunters. I've seen many of my Christian pastor friends go down this dangerous road. I myself have gone down this dangerous road at times. I think it's my job to eradicate all the heretics out there. And it's just not my job it's just not if there's a heretic causing problems with those that are close to you fine call them out do that do it otherwise stay in your lane keep your eyes on your own paper and here's why all this is so important it's so important that we do this Which brings us to point number two in your outline. Because we are more loved than we realize. Number one, we have more friends than we realize. But number two, we are more loved than we realize. Look at verse 41. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, Will certainly not lose their reward now one of the things I've loved most about doing church here at Piper and Leaf is the ability to hear the children playing and talking during worship and during the sermon I wish we had the the proctor here the proctor kids here today uh, to add a greater value to the sentence that I just said because that would have been really cool if they were like playing and laughing right then but in my head when I was writing the sermon they were so I'll have to just imagine it together but I love it for a couple of reasons I love it number one because they just bring life to our gathering I love having the children in here they just bring life to our gathering I love it but I also love it because it reminds me that one day I'm going to hand over this pulpit One day I'm going to hand it over. And you'll hand over your membership. And we'll hand over Gospel Life Church to them. To a new generation. And you know what I want to hand over to them? I don't want to hand them a long list of things we're against. I don't i want to hand them the message that they are loved by their creator more than they will ever fathom that he is for them he is for them so much so that he gave his only son so that they would not perish but have everlasting life that's the message I want a hand to them. Sadly, though, the modern church is known more for what it's against than what it's for. We are not known as gospel people. We're not. And our core message remains largely unheard. But I want to declare right now that this church, this church is for Jesus Christ and for the world he died for. This church is for Jesus Christ and we are for the world he died for. That's what I want to hand our kids. I don't want to hand them a list of all the things we're against and all the things we hate. I want them to know what we're for, what we stand for. We stand for Jesus and the world he bled to save. Now, it took me a while this week, several days, to figure out what in the world, verse 41, has to do with anything. Okay? (laughs) <laughs> Took me a minute to figure that out. I was like, what what? What are you talking about here, Jesus? I don't get it. You know, I, I get the rest, I get 39 and 40, makes sense. But the 41 seems to kind of come out of nowhere. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. But finally, I discovered the beauty of verse 41. That is awesome. The light bulb finally went off. Okay, so almost every parent on earth loves their children more than life itself. That is the truth. Just about every parent loves their children more than life itself. And there's nothing that parents desire more than to see their children taken care of. That's what they want most out of life, is for their children to be taken care of. And here's what verse 41 means. It means that Jesus feels the exact same way about you. Same exact way about you, about his church. You see, if someone does even the smallest thing for you, just gives you a cup of water because you belong to Jesus, then they will not lose their reward. That puts a smile on Jesus' face. Now think about how insignificant an act that seems to be just handing someone a cup of water. And that just makes Jesus smile from ear to ear. When you get a cup of water because you belong to him, he loves it. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And he loves seeing people take care of you. He loves it. He loves to see us taking care of one another. I was telling Dave earlier, really this passage belongs in the one another passages, the many one another passages in the New Testament where Jesus or the apostles tell us to love one another, to care for one another. Really this belongs here. And see, so what what the disciples were not doing is they were not taking care of this brother who was casting a demon out in Jesus' name. They weren't taking care of him. They weren't loving him because he wasn't on their team. He was outside their circle. And Jesus wants us to love each other so much that we're so we're so attuned to one another's needs we can tell when one another is thirsty we say hey let me get you a cup of water it's the smallest thing but that's how much he loves us Jesus is so related so invested in his church that he is attuned to every teeny tiny kindness done to you that's amazing (laughs) it's amazing I mean, Jesus' love is almost uncomfortable. It's almost uncomfortable because it's so radical and so real and so close. A mother's love is a lot like that. I know my wife's love for our kids makes them uncomfortable, especially in public. Yeah, great. Exhibit A right there. (laughs) It makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, it's making you uncomfortable right now, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, my grandmother, she would always try to kiss me on the mouth in public. Even when I was in high school. She'd try to kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> it made me super uncomfortable. I promise. <laughs> it got it got me all red in the face. Because this is how Jesus loves us. He is so intimate. He is so close to us. He cares so deeply for us. that We don't even know how to hardly receive it. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you this. We need to try. We need to try to receive it. We need to see if we can become a little more comfortable with his extravagant love. And here's why. There are two great fears almost every Christian has. Number one: fear number one: that God overlooks us. He's not really that concerned with us. He's not really that concerned, especially with the small things in life, like cups of water. He's not that concerned with us. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's got more things to be concerned about him. Mean, he's God after all. so we're afraid that he overlooks us. And fear number two, we're afraid. That we're imposters we're afraid that we're just faking this and that we're not real Christians and that we don't really deserve any of the promises that Jesus promises us we're just faking it we're not good Christians because we know our own thought life we know it we know how we are in private we know how we are at home we know how we are at work and we're just fakers and it makes us very afraid it makes us afraid but do you see how verse 41 does away with both fears it does away with both of them because we're afraid that we're overlooked and that we're fakers One thing we do to reassure ourselves that we're on the inside is we kick other people out. We make sure we know good and well who's on the outside, who's worse than us. (laughs) So we we say things like, well, you know, I'm not great, but at least I'm better than that guy. At least I have better doctrine than that guy. At least I have a better denomination than that guy. At least I go to a better church than that guy. There's nothing like a good fight with a heretic on Twitter to make us feel more righteous. Ah, Feels good. Feels good. But of course, it never works. It never actually works. Pointing the finger at others to make ourselves feel better never really actually works. The assurance it gives us is short-lived. And then we're right back. We're right back in our fears again. No, it doesn't work. But here's what does work. It's what Jesus does with his disciples in our story. Though I for sure would have explicitly facepalmed the disciples here. Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't facepalm them because he knows what their real problem is. They're insecure about where they stand. That's their real problem. They're afraid, just like you, just like me. I mean, we just came out of the story last week of them all arguing about who was the greatest among them. Why do you think they were doing that? Because they're all insecure about where they stand. And so Jesus does not facepalm them. He is so patient and so kind with them here. He wants nothing more than to just put them at ease. To just put them at ease. Look at what he does. In verse 41, he gives them two reassuring words to erase their fears and insecurities. Just two words. Look at them with me in verse 41. Verse 41. He says, you belong. You belong. Do you see that? Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, Guys, you're mine. You're mine. You belong to me. Not because of how super cool you are, not because of how holy you are, not because of how skilled and talented you are. You are mine because. You are mine because I chose you. He will later tell his disciples explicitly that they did not choose him. He chose them. You are his because he chose you. And he's saying, my friends, nothing will ever change that. He's saying to his disciples, guys, it doesn't matter how many other people you see out there doing great things for me. You will always belong. You will always belong to me. I'm not going to trade you for them because they're doing better things or different things than you. I'm never trading you. You are always on my team, because I chose you to be. And folks, Jesus is saying the exact same thing to you this morning, exactly the same thing. It doesn't matter how you failed or how you've sinned or how much better you perceive other Christians out there to be. Jesus says, you belong, you belong are mine none of that other stuff matters (laughs) the only thing that matters is i chose you and i will never unchoose you you will always be mine and i'll reward anyone who even gives you a cup of water but how is this possible think about it how is this possible How can sinners like us belong so firmly to Jesus' kingdom? Because not long after our story today, Jesus asked for a cup of water, and none was given to him. He got a mouthful of vinegar instead. The reason sinners like us get to lie down in green pastures and sip the still waters is because Jesus cried out, I thirst! And no water was given to him. We get to be brought in because Jesus was cast out We get to be on the team because Jesus was kicked off the team. The only reason we're seated here today is because Jesus traded places with us. He got what you deserve so you could get what He deserves. And he was happy to do so. Why was he happy to do so? Because he loves you more than you realize. And all of our arguing and all of our bitterness towards those outside of our tribe, that clouds this truth. We forget about how loved we are. We heard this message of love and sacrifice. We hurt the gospel when we argue with other denominations and other teachers out there that aren't in our circle. We hurt the gospel. We hurt the true message. You know what the world sees us doing most of the time? It's pointing the bony finger of religion at them and at each other. That's what they see us doing. It hurts our message of grace. It hurts our message of love. We are so loved. And we are loved more than we realize. And it's only a love like this that can remove our fears, our insecurities, and our need to bring others down. It is only Jesus' love. So... Instead of fixating on the business of others, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross.